to Tabletop Game Talk, Role-Playing Games Edition, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. And this week, it's role-playing topic. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. I'm Spencer. And I'm Chris. This week, we're talking about magic in role-playing games. Magic tends to almost define the fantasy genre, but it can also be a part of almost any role-playing setting. What is magic? Why are there so many magic systems? And why are we all so fascinated by it? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games of Grace Lake, Illinois. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Okay, so if you have not been in part of our live audience, then this was the night to do it because this is There's this a was lot as going be- on. Yeah, this was as behind <laughs> the scenes as you get. Um, we do not have a backup recording, so it just has to work. If you want to see Kitty's setup, um, go to our Discord. Reminder, we have a Discord. The link is in the show notes. Join us. We have almost, no, we have 50 people as of when I counted an hour and a half ago. So Discord is growing. I want 250 people by the end of the year. That's not going to happen. Um, so, yes. And if you want to join us live, we're on Zoom every Monday at 8.30 Central Time. TabletopGameTalk.com slash live. Um, Kitty, why don't you have a computer? I left it at work. Okay. You actually go to a job. I forgot. <laughs> only, <laughs> only very occasionally, but I still manage to leave my computer there. And I tried to rescue it several times today, but I didn't. That's fair. That's fair. Fletcher, welcome back. Um, you were gone last week, and I didn't even mention it on the podcast. I like compl- I just pretend like you <laughs> never you, existed. Did you forget? <laughs> Normally, I, I call Chris out on that kind of stuff, but... Um, I've had this cold that will not go away, and I live in a fog cloud, which is why I left my computer at work. You know, yeah. It's, fog it's all cloud. good. Yeah. So Kitty has an iPad propped up with a phone in front of it with the notes, and then Spencer's here, and they're sharing headphones all at teenagers on an airplane, uh, which is another thing we don't do anymore. Um so yeah, I'm but seeing, like school bus even school they don't bus. even look yeah. okay. good enough to like it, like if we could afford to get on an airplane we'd have better headphones I think, than this. I think we're good enough looking to be allowed to get on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I meant if we so, had enough money to buy airline tickets, we had enough money. Maybe not to like have American Airlines, but they let us on Southwest. <laughs> they might let you on Southwest. Spirit, you're all right. Teenagers on Spirit. That's that's what's going on there. I do so, look like I'm wearing oh, all of rough. my clothes for a week. You're well. You're both wearing hoodies. I mean, it really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing giving us away for not being teenagers is our old and tired parent eyes. Yeah, when I was a teenager, I was a lot less lumpy and hairy, <laughs> <laughs> but just as grumpy. Um, so there's there's that. So Fletcher, how was your two weeks? You had two weeks to be interesting. Ready, go. Um, it was great. It's uh, celebrating Hanukkah for part of it. Actually, tonight is the last night of Hanukkah. So if you're listening mm-hmm. on... <coughs> last night was the last night of Hanukkah. And you had me scream that out while I was taking a drink, which caused problems. Um, but today was the last was day of Hanukkah. Yeah, Sunday night is the last night of Hanukkah. Monday. Okay, last yeah. day. Sorry. You call yourself a Jew. <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> the night comes before the day. It does. That- it does. Yeah. But Jewish holidays start at sundown. Right. And end the at night sundown. night comes first. Right. Anyway, so you celebrated Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah, by the way. Yep. We gave you the um, most Jewish gift of all, our judgment. 
<laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I was traveling and I was out of town, so uh, just uh, just enjoyed my time off. It was great. Oh, great. Um, I should reminding me of time offs. Uh, this is not a time off, but next week is going to be the very last drawing for our 2021 game giveaway. So if you are not entered by now, um, I tell you what, I'll give you until Sunday. If you email me by Sunday, I will put you in the very last drawing. Um, but otherwise, next next Monday is our last drawing. You can be live if you want to be in our live audience. Um, and then my goal is to, for anyone who emails me by Wednesday getting games in the mail by the end of the week. So they had the chance of showing up by Christmas, but probably not. Um, but that's that's my goal. Um, anything else? Oh, wait, my 3D printing update, because that's my thing. A, I really, really, really hate filament-based printers. Hate them so much. They're terrible. I hate them. They take forever. The filament's all... Ugh. Is that why you bought one? Um, I bought one to print boxes with, but the problem is I can't print a box because every time I try to print it, the corners peel up. And like, I'm literally going to, my next attempt is I'm going to get a glue stick to glue the filament down to the, uh, like the print bed so it doesn't curl up on the corners. And if that doesn't work, I'm just going to throw it out the window. Or maybe I'll just put it on the game <laughs> giveaway list. Um, but the resin printer is amazing. And I just recently printed some um, D&D scaled miniatures to see how those would work because i printed uh, miniatures but i printed them um a little bit bigger and i have to say i'm thoroughly impressed with the results so i'm I'm still loving the resin printer um the filament one i'm i'm i want to like it more than i i do but also it just takes so long i printed four miniatures today on my resin printer in three hours where it takes me 15 hours to print a lid to a box that's 100 centimeters by or 100 millimeters by 100 millimeters, like it's it's insanely insane the difference. Um, but anyway, that's my 3D printing thing. If you want to talk more 3D printing, Discord. I created a 3D printing channel in Discord, and so there's where I'm uh, chatting. And no, I'm not going to switch to that right now because I was going to start chatting in Discord, and we're doing a live show. Uh, how are you guys' recordings? Because this is one take. We can't mess up. Everyone's audio checks are good? Um, so far, so good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's it talk about magic. It good until I hit stop and it says printer write error or whatever. <laughs> so, you know. You're printer really, error? Yeah, it's a printer. <laughs> Did you know that I record through my printer? Well, I... that would explain the audio issues. <laughs> are you low on toner? <laughs> <laughs> Did you set it to A4? <laughs> you need to print actual size, not fit to printing area. No. I said double-sided. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about role-playing games for a little bit. Um, just a little bit. And Spencer's on for all role-playing episodes because he likes talking about role-playing games, I think. So far, he's only said things that we've told him to say tonight. So I'm not entirely sure it's actually Spencer. It could just be a puppet sitting on Kitty's lap. And that's what it looks like on the like video. So I've like always elf. just been a puppet sitting on Kitty's lap. <laughs> <laughs> She's an amazing ventriloquist. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> she gets really so salty through the puppet. <laughs> no, that's why you have a puppet. Puppets can say anything that is in your mind. But you, it's funny because they're puppets. 
All right. Before we talk about magic, I want to talk about other things that define characters in role-playing games. And I've noted some down, but you guys can uh, add and correct as you see fit, of course, if I ever give you a chance to talk. But uh, you're looking at the notes. I can't reach. Oh. (laughs) 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 They're like... (laughs) <laughs> like Siamese twins. I can only use my left just arm. You can only use your right. Stick thing. <laughs> she could scroll. She just doesn't want to there's get her so, hand out from under the blankets. There's so many cords in my way. There's so many microphones. We I technically only have one free things. You only have one free hand because one of them is operating Spencer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Really All right. At keeping this ruse alive. <laughs> Oh, okay. So let's talk about characters. If Actually, I don't even know. If we, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to actually do a show. <laughs> Fletcher, that, that, all right. We're, we're good. All right. I'm, I'm confusing just, names already. Fletcher again. <laughs> Nobody noticed except for me. Um, and me. Okay. <laughs> Calm down, Fletcher. <laughs> You can't control me, too. I'm not your puppet. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Spencer. Can talking you... talking to me Fletcher? I'm talking to... <laughs> yeah, talking to the puppet. really effective on Zoom. <laughs> talking to the puppet. Um, okay. Spencer. Um, yes, Chris? How would you define what makes a character in a role-playing game? Just a character in general. Like and and D is obviously the easy one to go to, but like we've played lots of different systems. So in general, like what do systems have in common that say this is the definition of your character? So I think you're specifically talking about player characters. Player characters. Uh, well, I'd say that a player character uh, in you know a, a, an average or a normal role playing game, something like Dungeons and Dragons, is a um, is basically a set of stats a name a background story um a personality and a role in a party if you have all of those things i think you have a well-rounded character i don't okay. think all characters always hit all those check marks uh some characters are more fleshed out than others but yeah yeah i, I definitely would say that background story is probably optional personality personality can come out um all, all those all those things but- are optional I mean, I've I've played in games where the stats weren't even all laid out. It's like, yeah, no, we'll, we'll figure that part out later, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, really? Yeah. How- there are some. Fate is a good example of we'll just figure it as we go, which actually isn't truly true. But there are some games where there's actually no stats at all. It's just characters are described. Give me three descriptions of your character, and now now we play, and you just kind of riff on that. They become Who's much more line narrative is it anyway. What? I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of, um, like when a game is first starting off and players are not really sure. Oh, I don't know which one of these advantages or take or what points to spend on which powers or whatever. And, uh, it's not too unusual to say, well, yeah. well figure that out until you get there. You've got yeah, build as you go. You got, yeah, build as you go. You can spend the last few points on whatever spur of the moment say, Oh, I, I, I want to have this. I decide, okay, great. You have that now. Yeah. So now if we look at numerical, pieces, numerical stats. I broke this down into five different things, not counting magic. Um, the first one I put on here is abilities. Now, if you're playing D&D, you have six ability scores, your strength, dex, con, intelligence, wisdom, charisma. Most role-playing games will have some assortment of 
attributes. It could range from anywhere from I've seen as low as one. Um, I'm looking at you like tunnels and trolls of the 80s uh, up to, I think, 13 or 14. I've seen on the higher end of that, you know, would be determined as attributes. And those are going to be numeric values. Um, most role-playing system have some kind of skills that you can, that you'll be ranked in in some way. Um, skills are, tend to be things that you roll against. Uh, most of these things are, you know, things that you could roll against. I've separated talents as different from skills because talents are not something you can necessarily be trained in. It's sort of just something you have an inherent ability of, but they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily have to be supernatural. Like, um, photographic memory, for example, could be a talent. And it's something that theoretically exists in our real world or, um, you know, absolute knowing which direction you're facing at all time is a talent. That's not a skill you can really learn. It's just something that you can do. Um, and then technology. Yep. Go ahead. I would, I would argue you can learn to know what direction you're facing. I mean, it's not all the time, but like, you know, if you're outdoor and the sun is up. Sure. But like, yes, but I'm talking more of the semi, it's not necessarily supernatural, but just kind of like an idea of you just always know which way's north. And there are people that do this, that know which way's north. They don't need to be looking outside or anything. I have a live recording Isn't there like crisis. a culture? I need to sneeze, and I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> I'm not in control of a mute button, and I'm going to ruin the recording. It now, and now that I said something is going away, and I ruined the flow. I'm sorry. But no, no, hold no, no. on. As the- long as I interrupted everything... What am I supposed to do if I have to sneeze in this Lean situation? Well, well, yes, except for, except like, for Spencer wakes up the, the neighbors you're hear, when he sneezes. <laughs> I'm going to come back like that. That's how I'm supposed to handle it. Yeah, I mean, just lean away from the microphone. Do better than that, but yes. <laughs> I'll probably be. Okay, sorry. Oh, it is the holidays. <laughs> we were talking about that. Uh, what <laughs> Talents. Podcasting Talents. 101. Yeah. What do I do if I have to sneeze? <laughs> I just, I'm feeling personally attacked because I usually know what cardinal direction I'm facing, but I like, you know, if you like spun me around, I wouldn't know. Like, I want to well, say, I want to say that there's you a, blindfold uh, me, spin th- me around in a new location, but well, you I should just learn that talent pretty- then. <laughs> All right. How about this? Now I want Dark this vision. My supernatural ability. Dark vision would be considered like a talent, right? It's just something inherent that you have. It's not necessarily something that you can train up. Um, but uh, again, just trying to get kind of general classification. So when we talk about magic, we know that we're talking not about these things. Um, now the other one, this, the next one is technology, which is almost like magic. And I don't know who quoted it or if it was a quote or someone, someone said this, right? Any technology significantly advanced appears like magic. And that's Arthur C. Clarke. All right, great. I like it. That's why you're on the show. Um, but (laughs) the reason. Yes, one more <laughs> week. But the reason I bring up technology is because there is a fine line between technology and magic, especially when you're talking about in a role-playing setting. Um, but that's, you know, again, just technology is more, can be explained. Magic is more magical. However, D&D magic is still basically technology, but we'll get to that in a second. And then the last thing is descriptors. Um, this is This goes to the more... <sighs> I want to say loosey-goosey, but that seems derogatory. So I'm going to say indie loosey-goosey. 
Derogatory to who? To what specifically? Political I don't know. To those role playing systems. <laughs> yeah. These are the statless games where it's just like, yeah, just describe your character and that's what your character is. And you're, you're good to go. Um, Joshua asked, is double jointed considered a talent? It depends. Double jointed could be considered a talent if it allows you to do something interesting. It's, you can get it would, out of the handcuffs because you just yeah, like older. Yeah, if you could do yeah. something like that. Um, so, and it, and then again, in a role playing context, it may not be all that interesting. <laughs> Sorry, Spencer was trying to type loosey goosey, but he typed loosely goose. It's auto corrected. <laughs> oh, it's loosely a goose. <laughs> Made me laugh harder than it should. <laughs> um, we should be separated. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to keep like pushing. <laughs> I'm just going to keep pushing through. And I'm going to ask Fletcher. Fletcher, <laughs> what is magic? Gonna us. <laughs> separate us. <laughs> uh, are you asking me to define magic? I'm asking you to define magic. Um, and you can't use my definition that I stole from someone that you knew. Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, that someone guy. that I know. I, know <laughs> I would not guy. call that a definition of magic. That was a description of advanced technology. That's true. <laughs> All right, so define magic. Um, I would say magic is... What brings us together today. (laughs) (laughs) Teamwork makes the dream work. I retire. Uh (laughs) Oh, that's marriage. No, it's teamwork, man. So in some, I I guess it's either something that can be learned or something that is innate. It depends on kind of like the world that, you know, the magic is in. But magic is is some kind of supernatural force that can be controlled to do various things, I guess, is a very broad definition. (laughs) It usually requires some kind of verbal and maybe some kind of movement component and maybe another kind of object of some kind, like a wand or a staff or some kind of... And it's usually based on... doesn't. I mean, it doesn't typically have to be, but there's usually a naturalistic component. There's like fire magic, water magic, dark magic, but not necessarily. All right. It's so Kitty. broad. It can <laughs> and almost anything. That's that. I, I agree with that. Um, Kitty, do you want to add anything to that? Um, I, I would say in general, magic is just giving you the ability to do something that you would not be able to do with your physical body or sometimes that you could do with your physical body but (laughs) i'm sorry everyone talked at once (laughs) i can't (laughs) i said like knock like knock i mean i I don't know i think i so so far you're both completely right um spencer what do you think i think that magic is that which amazes or fascinates us and we do not understand i like that too yeah magic is all of these things michael (laughs) <laughs> no, I, 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 I think that all of those things are things that we consider magical. That's that's why that that famous description of advanced technology holds, um, and it it kind of fits also with um, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about religion and the god of the gaps, right? Of like you need you need something to put in the stuff that you don't understand, and as you understand it, that thing shrinks. Yep. I think that's why we feel like we live in a a banal world now because it's it is. Uh, deprived of magic because we understand more yeah and and i would agree and i think and just to add to that 
or, or not even to add to that, just to say it another way, magic explains all the things that we can't explain. So I don't think it even explains it. I don't, yeah, I don't think it explains it's, it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a box. Yeah, it's, it's a box you put it in. Yeah. But you don't understand it. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, hold on. Are, are we talking about in the real world or are we talking about in our RPG worlds? Both. Yeah, okay. I'm talking about real magic. Because I gave a definition. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> I think about real magic. No, but, I mean, but so um, I, I'm I'm talking about in general what I think the word magic means, and I think like I, your your question there does bring something up, like because what I was just describing doesn't isn't really applicable to like magic and Dungeons and Dragons, because as Chris alluded to earlier, it's a lot more like science in D and D. It's like well, when you put a phoenix feather in a bowl with some ogre warts or whatever, then this thing happens. That's just what magic is, and for some reason you got to pay three hundred gold. <laughs> <laughs> that's how magic like put works 300 gold and those components in a blender and you do a dance and then there's an explosion that's just the science of magic in D. yep but but i think what's cool about magic or is that you can basically do anything with it you know to kitty's point you can do anything that you might not be able to do with your body to fletcher's point you can do anything you could do with your body you want to knock on a door use a spell or use your fist either one works right like it it gives you the narrative ability to essentially do anything. And some games will literally give you the narrative ability to do anything. Um, so let's start there. Let's start with the narrative versus the the other. So Fletcher, you don't say anything because I was talking to Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> That's magical. It's magical. <laughs> Someone's in my head. Oh, and Fletcher, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So you've been telling me about World of Darkness Mage, which is a a setting um, which is set around basically mages. And the magic system there, to me, um, seems interesting. Why don't you explain how that magic system works? Yeah, so in uh, Mage, which is like a a series of games by by White Wolf take place in the World of Darkness, same kind of setting as as Vampire, the basic magic system there is there's nine or 10, depending on which edition you're playing spheres and spheres are like um, aspects of reality, like mind or space or um, energy or matter and stuff like that. Uh, and as you gain more ranks in those spheres, there's more or uh, higher level sort of abstract things that you're capable of uh, performing or achieving. And, Given any, if you know the system well enough, given any thing that you would want to do, you could just come up with a combination of dots and rings that you would need to do to have in order to do that thing. It's a really all-encompassing sort of description of reality. It comes, it comes very complicated and it's highly subjective uh, about how, you know how to do this stuff, but it's amazingly flexible and a lot of fun. So dots are basically rings you buy in these spheres with your experience points yes but there are no spells per se right yes and no so um you know there's uh they have a concept of rotes which is like spells which is like a a a very specific way like you perform a a ritual and then this thing happens uh and you you can think of that as like a a well-worn path of like well if you have these following dots and you learn this rote you do this exact thing and it'll just work but a player character or an NPC, anybody who has some spells could just ha- has the 
requisite spheres could come up with any other uh, type of spell or rote. And there's there's different rules about like casting an effect that you don't have a rote for, and the, it's complicated. But at a high level, what matters is at a if you've got the like uh, control minor forces is one of, is the effect of having two dots in forces, and that means you can uh, make the wind change directions or uh, put out or change the direction of a flame or something like that. Or whatever else you could think of that is falls in that category. Um, But it's complicated. Let's just remember that piece of it. Because now, Kitty, explain how your wizard works in Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, this assumes I know how my wizard works. Um, So... (laughs) In Dungeons and Dragons, my wizard's um, spellcasting ability is based on my intelligence ability score. Um, so I, when I was building my character, I knew I was building a wizard. So I put lots of points into my intelligence so that I would have the best. Um, so that, that uh, controls how many spells I can learn. So the way that wizards work in D&D versus other spellcasters is that wizards have a spell book where they have written the spells that they know. And to do that, you gain so many per level. But if you find them, you have to use um, time and gold to learn them. And yeah, so you have so many spells you learn. And then each day you have to prepare a certain number of spells and you have a certain number of spell slots that allow you to cast the spells that you have prepared. And you have more spell slots for lower level spells. And the higher level spells, you have less spell slots. So that the more powerful magic you can only do so many times a day. But you also have cantrips, which are spells that you can just always cast. And... So it's complicated. Um, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> and that's only how one of several classes of spellcasters works in D&D, because they each work completely differently. Basically. Fletcher, do you have a spellcaster, <laughs> non-wizard in D&D that you are familiar with? Um, I'm kind of familiar with, I guess, most of them. Like, I don't know, um, like Cleric. Cleric is one of the easier ones because they don't have a lot of the downsides of other spellcasters. But it's the whole thing with the cleric is that they get their powers from their deity and they're not re- restricted with like armor and movement typically and stuff. Um, and it's like you have these set of spells that you can cast and you can cast you can cast these set of spells like three times per day and that's it. It's it's one of the easier systems. You don't get All to right, choose and I will everything talk- is just like laid out for you. <laughs> So, and and then we have things, and again, D&D, you have your sorcerers. Um, so, Fletcher mentioned learned magic versus innate. Um, there's learned, innate, and granted, I guess. So, wizards learn their spells. Clerics and paladins are granted their magic. And sorcerers, actually, warlocks are also granted their magic. Sorcerers are innate. They, they have magic in them. They don't have to learn it. They just know it. And in D&D terms, it means they can cast any of their spells that they know whenever, but they're also restricted to, you know, times per day. Um, but they can also modify 
their spells. So they can, you know, they have different modifiers they can add on to spells and make it, you know, longer range or, you know, more damage or more targets or whatever. They can modify things that way. But they have a lot less. With I was going to say, with the cost of a much smaller spell list to gain. Right. to, To use spells from. Yeah, so the wizard knows can know can know basically everything, but they have to carry around these spell books that have all this knowledge in it. The sorcerer can only learn a very specific small set of spells, but once they know them, they just know them. They don't have to relearn them all the time. And then you have things like warlocks, which are really really messed up, and they have a very small number of spells they can cast, and their their spells are also granted by some. Not necessarily a deity, but it could be, but some like powerful being. Um, and then a patron of some sort. Yep. And they, you know, how they refresh their spells are different than how the wizard does, which how the sorcerer does. And that's just in D&D. If you go into other games, you may have things like spell They all have to play differently because otherwise there would be almost no point in having all these different classes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Every spellcasting class in D&D has to have its own flavor and its own feel. And that's why all of these systems are just a little bit different. They have, they still like have all the melee classes. It's yeah. like, why play a paladin as opposed to a, a fighter as opposed to a barbarian? It's like, exactly. just run up and hit things. It's like, yeah, but how you do it is that's different. what matters. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, what Kitty mentioned was her wizard has to learn the spells at the beginning of it. Well, you didn't mention it specifically, but at the beginning of every day, you have to learn the spells that you want to be able to cast that day. Well, you have to prepare them. I didn't say that. Right. Versus most other casting types do not have to do this. Now, mm-hmm. I've heard this referred to as Vancian magic. You have to prepare in advance. Therefore, it's Vancian. Is that how we're supposed Vancian. to read that bullet point in the notes there? I was wondering what that word was. That, that's the word. Vancian. Now, Vancian. it's not a very common term, and no one. I wouldn't be surprised if no one's ever heard of it. But by Richard Vance. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it is a terrible magic system um, that most people hate. And it's only one of, you know, the only class, magic casting class in D&D is the wizard that still uses this system. It used to be a lot more common um how do you feel about this how do you feel about saying okay you have all of these options but at the beginning of each adventuring day you have to pick the ones that you want so what bothers me the most about it is the like just the thematic idea behind it so let's say you have a wizard who every day of his or her life prepares fireball so that means like wake up and like study the spell book and be like all right i say i say uh, abracadabra boom and that's what makes a fireball go. okay I gotta remember i gotta remember that now i gotta remember. and like that like that that's what they're doing when they're preparing they're just kind of remembering these handful of things and that's why if you have more intelligence you can have more prepared spells because you can balance all that in your head so then you're gonna you're you, like every day you memorize abracadabra boom that's how i do it abracadabra boom but then one day you don't prepare prepare that spell and you just don't remember abracadabra boom it doesn't make any that's sense how magic works it's magic it does not make any sense to me it's magic. My problem is more like it's gameplay. It's a uh, it's more fiddly. Every time I've played that kind of class, or every time I've seen somebody play that class, they pretty much always choose the same spells. And it's you know your basics that are always going to be handy. And everybody <laughs> always chooses fireball. Uh, 
magic missile, you know, all those kind of things. And you might learn these other cool ones, but they're kind of edge case. And you're like, I don't know if I want to prepare this because I don't know if I'm going to use it in this scenario. And then eventually you hit that scenario and it's like, oh, I have that spell, but I don't have it prepared. Oh, can we just retcon it and say <laughs> that I had it prepared? Because it would be perfect. <laughs> so, Kitty, you've been playing a wizard for a while now. And I think both of these <laughs> things ring true. How do you feel about Vancian magic? I mean, I understand those criticisms, but it doesn't bother me as much. I think it's kind of fun. I do have, like, different sets of spells, like, that I have prepared for different situations. Um, I also think that having the ability to cast a spell as a ritual, that's um, something that you're allowed to do in D&D. So certain spells of mine, um, it doesn't work for combat, but, like, um, I have a familiar, and if my familiar gets killed, I have to resummon my familiar, and I can just do that as a ritual. So, like, in the middle of that one combat where they died, yeah, I don't have my familiar for the rest of that combat, but then even if I haven't prepared that spell, I can come back and do that because I can cast it as ritual, and there's a few different spells that I can do that with. So, hold on. What what exactly does cast as a ritual mean, then? You don't have to it have It usually takes 10 minutes takes to an hour. Minutes. Yeah. And does it does it still take one of your spell slots for the day? Yes. No. Does it take a spell slot? No. It does. Uh, I thought it didn't. Oh. Pretty sure it does. I think it takes a spell okay. slot, no. but it doesn't have to be prepared. That's the difference. So yeah. it, do- it doesn't have to be prepared, and it takes 10 minutes. 10 yeah. minutes or longer, longer, depending on the yeah. ritual. But yeah, it takes long enough that you can't do it in combat. Pro- probably so- something like 10 times per spell level or something like that. Uh, it's all dependent on the spell. The spell just says, like, cast as ritual, 10 minutes more. Cast as ritual, one hour. Oh, and, and some spells you just can't cast as ritual? Some spells you can't Most cast spells as ritual. Of course, because that's how magic works in D&D. Is like, there's no coherent thing. It's like, well, this spell is a level three if you have this kind of magic, but it's level five if you have this kind of magic. <laughs> and then this other person can't cast it. And there's this other thing that does the same thing, but that's a different level for a different kind of a thing. So for the person who enjoys the fiddliness <laughs> of the game... I think it's kind of fun. I like to sit there and think like, okay, so if we're going into a cave, these are my good cave spells. And I want to have, you know, my, this kind of spell prepared. And if we think we're going to detect the mushrooms, um, I definitely want to have fireball prepared, but then I'm also going to have some of these other ones that are fun. And, you know, we're going into this unknown space and I want to have dimension doors so we can get out of there. But do I want to have this? And I think it's fun. And I love to try to like come up with my like spell combos. Like, oh, if I do this and then this, then I can do this. And but you have to, you know, there's so many things to think about because we haven't even mentioned concentration, which is the worst <laughs> part of a spellcaster. Or material components. You don't have to have material components if you're a wizard. You have a spell focus. That oh, Actually, just in, anything except the gold. Yeah, you still have to if, pay. You so human. If we're talking Dungeons and Dragons, uh, yeah, your material components are replaced from a spell focus if you have one. So you have a wand or whatever. You don't need the material components unless there's a, a gold weapon. cost yeah. associated with it, and then that's just the shorthand way of saying you still need the material components even if you have a focus. Um, but it's kind of hand waved away. It's like, well, if you have the gold, you could have bought it. it. It's an auto retcon essentially, is what it is. Um. Yeah. Again, complicated and fiddly. Fiddly is the new word that you threw in there. I like that one. So, and and I'm I think I'm coming off as like don't like magic. I do. I love magic, but that's because I like fizzly. I like complicated. I like I like what Kitty just described of like thinking ahead of time. What do I need? What am I going to need? What am I going to need to do? Although I will say, if I'm ever a player in a D and D campaign, I am no longer ever playing a wizard. 
because I hate, 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 hate choosing a list of spells and then having the game go a completely different direction. Me sitting there saying, well, I got magic missile. You know, it's it's frustrating to be like, oh, but I'm this powerful That's wizard. But I choose to never prepare the expected spells and I try to finagle my way into making the spells <laughs> I have prepared anyway. And my, I, I think the fun of like arguing why I should be able to use Create Water to fill my enemy's lungs and they'll drown <laughs> is always a great argument to have. <laughs> it, it is. It's a, it's a great argument to have. No, but <laughs> <laughs> honestly, vessel. I stopped playing a wizard specifically where you have to like pre-pick your spells when I basically said the only way I can play this and have fun is to just cheat. I never, ever picked my spells. I wrote them down as I needed them, and that's what I had prepared. And then I'm like, eh, that kind of goes to the spirit of this. I'm just going to play Sorcerers. And that's what I play now. I play Sorcerers. Sorcerers are really fun, too. I will say that playing online helps with my spells being prepared. Um, Also, having my DM tell me, this is a new day, helps, too. Because a lot of times you kind of, like, in an adventure hand wave, like, oh, we're traveling, and now we're entering the thing. You know, so, like, I... If you are being told, like, you know, now we're resting, now we're getting up, this is what we're going to do this day, making those plans, I actually remember to prepare my spells, especially because all I have to do is, like, check and uncheck boxes. And when I hit the correct number of boxes to have spells prepared for the day, it won't let me check more boxes. That's very easy. If I have to <laughs> write down and remember things, I'm not going to do it. So. so, So, Spencer, you're playing a paladin. And you have spells. How do you feel about those spells? The one spell he uses, you mean? No, I use Uh other spells. (laughs) Um, I like them. Uh, I think, you know, the the paladins uh, and like, you know, Kitty's joke about, um, uh, what do you call it? Smite is is an an interesting aspect of paladin, right? Because whenever you don't see an application for your spells, you can always just uh, exchange them for hit things harder. (laughs) <laughs> which is, which is always a nice has exchange rate. Which always has some utility to it, right? So there's always something <laughs> yes. that you can do there. Um no, but I, I like uh I like the paladin spells because there's a they're they're kind of equal parts um like you know healing and helping other people or combat utility kind of things, like make it a little bit easier to hit this. So how do your spells work? Like oh god, I don't I, remember it was the last time we played D D, man. <laughs> I looked that character last week. like a, we didn't play last week. It was the week before. It was the week before. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and before that, it had been several months. Right. It had. But I believe you just have like a very small spell list and a number of spell slots. And that's it. Yeah. Um, it's a like divine granted magic kind of thing. Like Fletcher was talking. What, what exactly do you mean by how do they work? Oh, uh, basically what Kitty described as you can cast any of them whenever you want. Yeah. You just have to. You know, you're you're spending level the spell slots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, Sydney plays a bard, which is also magical. Her magic is based on the magic of music and melody and rhythm and whatnot, bardy things. Um, and it's the same basic thing, right? She has a list of a small list of spells, but she can cast them a certain amount of times based on the level per day. Um, actually, most of the classes in D D are do that again, except for the wizard. Now, outside of D&D, and this, we can open this up to, you know, computer role-playing games, um, real life, if you're casting spells in real life, what are some other 
magic systems that you like. So I know Spencer, you play a lot of um um that one game. Skyrim. You know Skyrim, that's what I'm talking about. Um the magic system there now I, I haven't played it in years and I don't think I play the uh version, edition, provision, whatever. I'm not playing the current one, but how does magic work in Skyrim? Uh in in Skyrim you gain spells basically by reading spell tomes which are books that you consume. And once you, once you read it, you now know that spell. Uh, every spell fits into a school of magic. That's another thing. We still haven't even mentioned ever all the parts of D and D magic. We haven't even talked <laughs> about schools of magic. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, so there's schools of magic in, uh, in, in Skyrim, stuff like destruction for hurting people and restoration for healing yourself and alteration to change things, whatever. Uh, and uh, you have a, a mana meter, that you know, your mana regenerates slowly over time and you can you know take potions increase it or whatever and every spell has a cost so you you equip a spell onto one of your hands and you cast it when you click the mouse and if you have enough mana it casts the spell i think that's actually a good point to bring up because you know diablos was my addiction for a long time actually most computer role-playing games will have mana right it's some kind of magic yeah. points usually mana and Spells are really just guns and other things that blow things up um, in various different ways. You tend, like, that can exist in some role-playing games, but you tend not to see things that are that fiddly, where it's like, it's going to be this many points to cast this spell and that many points to cast that spell. There are some games out there that do that, but it tends to be too fiddly when you're at the table saying, wait, so if I do this and this, it's going to cost 17 points, but this one's going to cost 12 points. It's just a lot of bookkeeping. Um, But I do like that for computer games. It's nice. Like, okay, this is how much energy I have to be able to do this magical thing. Um, Fletcher, do you have a favorite magic system from any game? Hmm. I'm trying to think besides D and D. I mean, I I like D and D. It it is very fiddly. I'm trying to think of another game that i've played that has a very interesting magic system uh final fantasy has a very simplistic mantle <laughs> magic system i love like, final fantasy magic it's like final <laughs> fire one fire two fire three <laughs> each one is more powerful than the last and you learn them as you go and they yep. cost I, mana and they cost mana yeah yep i like systems where you have to combine things to figure out what they do. So like you're combining words of power to, you know, discover the spells, or at least again, I'm talking more eighties and nineties at this point for different spell systems that existed today. It's just, you know, smash this button, make it go boom. Um, Like discovering or figuring out spells to cast was always fun for me in magic, but it's not something I see a lot. Maybe. Um, So a system I'm, not super familiar with, but I've listened to some actual plays where they've messed around in it is um uh the powered by the apocalypse um general system and they were playing uh monster of the week. Um and that one you have like moves, I think is what they're called. Yep. Um and it's basically like this allows you to do an action. And some of them are magic and some of them are not magic. Um and it just is like I'm gonna do this and instead of um like you so you roll and you either um succeed or you get like it's either i don't remember what it is but there's like i think it's good bad and very bad (laughs) well you can also have very good yeah uh no it's there's only three categories so maybe it's like good nothing or bad yeah well there's 
whatever the case, yeah, it's it's a sliding scale. I think it's success, success, awesome success, and then fail um, for Powered yeah. by Apocalypse. So basically you roll to see if you succeed at the thing, not like to hit someone or to, it's just, will this work? And you're always, it, it's a much more kind of flexible system where you're going to role play how that happens. And it's up to the, I don't know what they call themselves in that game, GM, to decide <laughs> how that happens. And, you know, you all have to kind of work cooperatively to make sure that it's interesting and fun how these things either succeed or fail and yeah. and what that looks like. Yeah. To loop that back, so Avatar, the role-playing game, which will be coming out sometime in our near future, which raised something like $9 million on Kickstarter in the recent past, um, is based on that system. And Avatar, you know, if you are familiar with you know Last Airbender, that whole world is essentially four different types of magic. And Powered by the Apocalypse is the system that is being used there. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to that system and just seeing how it plays out because the move system is interesting. Moves are, you do something which triggers my ability to use one of my moves so I can do it. I roll to see how successful or if it fails. And then you just continue with the narrative. It's a very back and forth narrative game. Um, not, but it's still a mechanical in a way in that you know what your moves are. You're not just making things up full cloth. You're whole cloth, whole cloth, full cloth, whatever the phrase is. Uh, it's, it you you know, and you actually have like a book, like your character is a book versus a list of stats. Um, so I looked it up because it was driving me crazy. And it is, it's just three. It is success, partial success, or failure. That's it. Those are the only things that happen when you roll dice in that game. You either all the way succeed, you partially succeed, or you fail. Yeah. And it's always 2d6. Always 2d6. Yep. So um, my final question to you all is, well, I have two questions, actually. One, why play a magic user in a role-playing game versus the fighter or the barbarian or the rogue? Or why play the magic user? They tend to be balanced in most most good role-playing games. The magic user is not more powerful than the rest of the characters. They're just different. So why play a magic user versus some other non-magic class? Uh, Fletcher, I'll let you go first. Okay. I mean, Spencer, (laughs) I was talking to Spencer anyway. (laughs) Okay. I I don't think there's a generic answer to that because it really depends on the game. Uh, Like, there's there's times that you may want to prefer to play a magic user for, like, thematic reasons or storylines. Um, I guess if we're, if we're sticking with Dungeons and Dragons, uh, magic users tend to be not melee fighters, although there are exceptions for like clerics or whatever, but in general, they sort of like hang to the back and are either like glass cannons that are shooting people or acting as a healer utility sort of character like that. Uh, I guess they're just a bit more dynamic, I suppose. I know like the fifth edition fighter kind of breaks the mold of this. So like there's a whole bunch of different fiddly bits and things that you can do, but for the most part, uh, magic systems open up like a whole other dimension of strategy and tactics that, uh, your non magic users didn't have available to them. Like fighter just hits things. Barbarian just rages your rogue just does sneak attack, but your sorcerer, your wizard could do all kinds of different things. All right. Fletcher actual. (laughs) Fletcher number two Uh, no I agree with Spencer Um, typically magic users have a bit more variability 
in them and what they can do. You don't have to build them that way. You can build a very narrowly focused magic user, but you usually have a bit more breadth of what you can do. Like you can do melee attack. You can cast fireball and, you know, kill everyone in a, in a 30 foot radius. You can heal people. And usually the non-magical users are um, pretty standard and good at what they do, but it's like, oh, fighter. Like, yes, I just do constant damage output and I have a very good sustain. Like, it's hard to take me down and I'm always just going to deal, you know, 18 damage when I hit something and I'm going to hit it. All right, Kitty, what do you got to add? Um, Why are you playing a wizard? I like to play a magic user because the fun of playing a role-playing game is being able to do something that you can't do in real life. And magic is the ultimate thing you can't do in real life. I mean, like, theoretically, I could get really good at using a sword and kill people with a sword. Very unlikely. You could rage. But I could. <laughs> I do rage. She does um, rage. It's <laughs> less likely for me to become a monk than a barbarian. <laughs> but... You know, like, I I have shot bows and arrows before. It's fun. Archery. Like, but there's no way that I, in this life, will ever cast a fireball for real life. So it's just fun to be able to do something that's, like, completely outside of reality. I like that answer. Further. Yeah. No, I, I like that answer a lot. It's not my answer. When I play Magic users, I think I play it more for the... I like having extra options um but it's also why i'm a really bad player because i'll play bards (laughs) and play a completely diplomatic bard and then find never any reason to be diplomatic in whatever i'm playing in which is why most of my characters now are just battle crazed monks that are optimized to just do damage output because if i'm just playing in a one-off being able to kill things always useful um so for me, you never want to play a bard in a one-off. <laughs> no, it <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it really depends on the game as to whether or not it's interesting to play a magic user or not. And I, I think it really all comes back to that whole. I'm always disappointed playing a magic user because the stuff I, I think I can do in my head are not the things that I can actually do in real life. And Kenny, I know you've run into this, even in our game, where you're like, I just want to kill something from the shadows. <laughs> like, that's all I want to do. I just want to do this. And I just wanted to see if it would work. And it's not even that, like, I'm not having fun if I can't do it. Part of the fun is, like, trying to find the moment to do it. I don't know. I I just like messing with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, so, like, Fletcher, you... Your thing is, I want to backstab. You're constantly hitting things from the shadows with your dagger, right? But for you, it's the same thing all the time. It's like, yeah, I know I'm probably going to be able to get into a position where I can do this over and over and over and over again. So it just becomes, you know, all in a day's work. But when Kitty finally gets to kill something from the shadows. (laughs) (laughs) I throw my shadow blade. I get advantage. I guess, you know, the other thing that gets frustrating about... uh, playing a, a a magic user in, in, in D&D is knowing when to use your spell slots. Yeah. Like the fighter doesn't have to go like, well, I'm not going to hit a guy really hard this time because I might have to hit somebody <laughs> really hard later. <laughs> you just you just keep playing the way you're going to play, but you always have this thing in your back of your head of like, well, what if there's a dragon in the next room and I just use my big spell on this thing and now I'm useless? 
right? That's actually one of the things that holds me back with uh, like the Paladin all the time we're playing. There's all kinds of interesting uh, utility spells. We'll be in a situation where I'm like, well, I could use this right now. I'm like, yeah, but then like it's probably not going to help that much. And then the combat's going to be over in like one or two rounds. Uh, so I better save my spell slot. And then someone's really in a lot of trouble. And I'm like, well, if I use smite, I can kill the thing faster. And then we don't die. That seems really useful. So you kind of fall into these traps as a spellcaster sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the prevent you. The from most effective healing things. is killing the thing that's doing the damage. Yeah. Um. Dead don't die. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I get trapped as much. Um. But like, I don't know if because everyone's always like, well, why don't you just use magic missile? I think like that's just a button I could make for you guys. They're like, Kitty, why don't you just use button? Especially after you got the magic wi- missile wand. Yeah, now it, I just use, so my wand has like so many charges and you can like use them all at once and I have to keep one or it's going to like break forever or something. So now just once a combat I, or once a day, I pull it out and I use it and I'm like, oh, sorry, I didn't prepare actual magic missile because I had the wand, but now I used it. Oops, sorry, I can't. I guess I'm going to have to do something fun and creative and come up with these crazy ideas. And I I like playing like that. And I like driving you guys all crazy with my like save and suck spells that, you know, someday it's going to work and it's going to be so cool. But yeah, most of the time, you know, they hit my DC 15 spell thing and it, nothing happens and it, all right so i have one final question really cool and this is not tied to a role-playing game or tied to a computer game or anything like that it doesn't have to be just in general even going to a magic show why do we as a culture why are we so fascinated with magic in general because by definition magic is that what fascinates us i already told you that chris were you not listening <laughs> sure but not all magic is fascinating. I think if it's not fascinating, it's not magical. Okay. And I and I think that there is an a, a innate human drive to find things that are novel and strange so that we can try to understand them. And that's what's driven, you know, human civilization. We wouldn't have science if we didn't have that impulse. Yeah, I was going to say that the the fascination with magic is to try to understand that which cannot be understood. I like that. Fletcher, anything to add? I still don't know how that guy bent that spoon at Sydney's bachelorette party. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to get at (laughs) because it really is like if you go to a magic show, it's not so much the trick that's interesting. It's trying to figure out how they did the trick that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I still have that spoon somewhere. I mean, for magic shows, I would say, like, we like to be fooled and, uh, you know, we like the theatricality of it. Um, but in terms of make-believe magic, it's, you know, it's fun to pretend. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think there are certainly people out there who would be listening to us right now that have no interest in magic or anything that is magical or unexplained or, you know. And there are reasons to be like, no, magic is just plain evil. Like, there's no such thing as a good magic. It's all bad magic. Um, But when we read something like Harry Potter, and the reason that that series is so loved is because it allows us to use our imagination that anything is possible. And I think that's what magic does. And magic says anything is possible. Even though it's not possible, it could be if only magic existed. If only I was a wizard, 
it could be possible. And it's it's almost like just a sense of escapism and hope at the same time. So I think in the best stories, and this is going to hang on the nuances of some of what you were saying there, it's not that through magic, everything is possible. It's that anything could be possible. Uh, it's, it's that unknown sort of aspect there. Because if you make magic something that's so loose and forgiving and omnipotent, then stories just become boring, right? It's right. like the Superman problem. Like, you just do anything. Uh, and part of it is that, like, it's potentially limitless. And, like, there's no level of scale where um, something's outside the realm of possibility. But there's also this level of unknown. So you don't – nothing's ever ruled out, but nothing's ever safe either. Yeah. Well, and I think that's an interesting thing about magic, too, is oftentimes it's portrayed as – even though it could be potentially limitless, it has a cost. There's a price to it, you know, and or if it, there's not a cost to it, it's limited. Like there's something, something that balances out. It's not just you're an all-powerful genie. Even the all-powerful genie had huge restrictions as to how his magic it's worked. Yeah, even yeah. a living space. And it's I think one of the that most interesting things about the the mage system that we were talking about earlier is there like it's it, it doesn't use spells per days to limit people there's a little bit of like mana that like or mana like system you can use in some places but in that system um you can cast as much magic as you want it's unlimited you just keep just, just keep doing it but there's a, a a system called paradox where if you do something that a uh a hypothetical observer saw and thought, oh my God, that's magical. You get paradox points. And if you get enough of those, like you'll just straight up die. So you can do all kinds of magical things all day, as long as they're in no way actually perceivably magical. And whenever you do something that sort of violates those natural rules, you're like sort of playing with the universe and some spirits are going to knock you down. And that's what makes it interesting. Because if magic was just do whatever, because it's, you know, magic, it would be uninteresting. It would not be fantastical. It would just be boring. You got to have that it'd be, restriction. It'd be Eberron. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry. I mean, and we'll just bring that up real quick. For Eberron <laughs> is a setting where magic is essentially utilized as technology. So low-level magic is repeatable. You can learn it. You can do it over and over and over. So why isn't it technology? So low-level magic is just technology. And that's how, you know, it's the same of having electricity, right? You just have magic. Um, now, in that world, in order to balance it, yes, the low-level stuff is everyday common, but the higher-level stuff is a lot more dangerous. So that's how it balances that, you know, yes, magic is everywhere, but once you push a certain threshold, now you're getting into a, a territory that magic is dangerous. Be like the, you know, a nuclear weapon versus a shotgun, Right. It's like, yeah, you can walk into any Walmart and buy a shotgun. Probably shouldn't, but you could. And any Walmart? Any Walmart. Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> but the the fact of the matter is you can't walk into any Walmart and buy, you know, a small nuclear device because there are limits to that technology. Only some of them. Yeah. Only some uh, <laughs> gas mantles. There, there's a, there's a few Bass Pro devices. shops that have them, but you know. <laughs> And on that note, um, anything else to say on magic? All right, no, Kitty. Magic. All right, as a reminder, 
Magic is cool. I do like magic as well. Magic is actually one of the reasons we play fantasy role-playing games. Um, except for Spencer doesn't like magic. He wants low magic. Um, which no, I guess that I, 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 I love magic and I want it to feel magical. It's why I hate Aberon. It's also unpopular opinion. Well, I don't really like Harry Potter very much. Yeah. Cause magic's every, like, yeah, it feels ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Here's magic. I, Go to boarding school where he teach it to you like a science class. I can't think <laughs> yeah. of anything less magical. You like you like <laughs> Tolkien esque magic, where the entire Lords of the Rings world has like five magic users in it, right? I it's, don't only I don't only like that, but I I do like that as an example of something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we could have an entire podcast on low magic versus high magic, which we might, but not next week or not next month. Um, We'll talk about something that's not magic, but we might circle back to this. Um, But a reminder, next week is our last 2021 drawing. Um, I'm probably just going to draw like 10 names and then you guys will just have to rapid fire whoever first come first serve on the game. So um, if you haven't entered by now, enter. Uh, You have until Sunday. To send me an email at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com with the subject I'm with the subject I'm super late at entering the 2021 giveaway, um, <laughs> and then you will one be more part time. Of that. Yes, um, and on that note, Kitty, off to you. Are, you. are you gonna fix the patrons while I read my? No, I already fixed them. Oh, I, it, you've got them both in here that I see. So anyway. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by your patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. So I assume these patrons are correct because there's a list of red names in red which is normal. And then below that, there's another list of names that are not deleted, but are off white against a white background. Yes. You don't read those parts. Those are dead parts. (laughs) Those are dead parts. Okay. Not dead patrons. People as dead Just dead parts. Evil thing I've ever heard you say. (laughs) It's magic. (laughs) Okay. Chris is a Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. (laughs) Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Stephen Horn, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayesh, John Williams, David Rank, Cercelli, Matthew Droke, Timothy, Paul Raymer, Romer? That's different. Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keefe, Joe Punman, Leanne Verhol, Stephen Judd, Christopher Letgo, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Christopher Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terrence Miltner, David Radke, Brian Arnold, David Wagoner, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan C., Darren McClellan, David Garner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Jen, Glenn Cotter, Eric Salander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong, and Sean P. Kelly. And thank you to everyone who's ever been a patron. Your support means the world to us. And I hope that you're not in pieces or dead parts or anything like that. No, that's morbid. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Was that a threat? (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
I was confused because my notes are in dark mode. So they show up very brightly in my notes. So, you know. They weren't, they weren't really in there twice. Now, I will say, um, just for people who are listening, this is real time. It is 10 o'clock on a Monday night. There's two minutes left in this game. And I have just now crossed the threshold to winning my fantasy league and making the playoffs for this year. Are you within the margin of error? Because like, you know, there's point adjustments oftentimes on Tuesday mornings that can flip. The, if you're only up by like 0.1 points or even like a I am, point. I am up by 0.4. Yeah, so. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't celebrate until like, <laughs> midway through tomorrow, man. Uh, also, fantasy sorry, sports. Lady Steve. Chris didn't fix it. He said he was going to fix it, but he didn't fix it. I haven't fixed it. <laughs> but thanks, Lightning Steve. I'm just fixing it right now. <laughs> just press end on the record. 